0: So we've got a stuntman on this morning
1: yeah well that's uh yeah it, it's still still it's still in the looms uh, of, uh, of of that industry but yeah definitely definitely get in there
2: yeah it's that's probably a good place to start um in terms of that journey um yeah because i think it's, it's an interesting one and it's always nice to speak to people who have well what what you perceive let's just say as to be a more interesting life than you in terms of the things that they do and the experiences and, and and how they've got to that point um maybe that's a good place to start maybe just in your own words in terms of kind of the journey that that you're currently on how that started yeah,
1: yeah absolutely so so it's, it was i kind of stumbled into it to be honest um so uh, my career was all in the fitness industry um up until about six years ago um so I worked in um strength and conditioning and sport specific uh training um sort of while playing rugby and doing a bit of boxing and um all that sort of thing and i was a a huge um pro wrestling nut um pretty much my whole my whole life and that's kind of what got me into it um so uh I sort of dabbled sort of working in a few sort of um, parts of the fitness industry, more higher up, so sort of fitness management and that sort of thing. And um, really wasn't really sort of doing it for me. I really wasn't kind of enjoying it. And um, But at the similar sort of time, I met um, a personal training client of mine called uh, called Adam, who um, I knew from school um, and really interesting guy. And he was also just a huge wrestling fan as well. So we kind of bonded a bit on that. I trained with him um and uh he uh he sort of said to me well I've just started uh at this wrestling school would you like to come along and do it and um I said absolutely so I went along and did a few sessions with him and um, later on learned that he had um links to the uh, film industry so he was uh he sort of wrote scripts and everything and um where he was very honest with me, he said, "You know, I can't get you into this industry. You'll have to do that yourself." But he said, "You know, um, by the way, you're doing the wrestling side of things, and you've got the look. It's kind of you. You, you could, um, you could sort of work in films. You know." And um, uh, so I started off as an extra um, while sort of learning all the wrestling stuff, and uh, then I found out about screen combat, uh, where it's essentially you apply your fighting techniques into a film sort of uh, environment and uh, it kind of went along from there and um and yeah it's, it's been been a bit of a journey ever since really um I think coming from my rugby background it kind of lended itself quite well because I was used to sort of taking the hits that you know people normally normally would shy away from so that kind of um set me up quite well um to start in the industry and um I've just been a huge fan of action films and, you know, I've always studied fight sequences and just been really sort of interested in it really. So, and I think it's one of those things when you're truly interested in something you're kind of, your mind just is even more like a sponge. It just sucks everything in. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of been a real, real learning curve. Um, so, I mean, my, my book at the moment is very much based around fight scenes. So I'm not doing any of the crazy high flying stunts really at the moment, uh, that's for the higher echelons, which I'm still kind of training for at the moment. But um, but certainly, sort of fight scenes, weapons, firearms, that sort of thing is uh, is kind of where I've, where I've sort of uh, sort of cut my teeth in the industry a little bit now, and um, while training to get to the higher ranks at the moment. So is it like a stuntman school? For what so, better description? So yeah, th- this is this is where it, it's, it's an it's an incredibly tough process to train. So. Um, at the moment i'm i'm what's called an independent stunt performer so um i've got a couple of um agents and agencies that kind of um put me forward for these sort of roles but the 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 holy grail of of stunt performers is um what's called the British stunt register which um is essentially one of the highest sort of points you can get to especially in europe and um it's not necessarily a stunt school it's more of a, a board of um, of of kind of uh, sort of high established um, uh, sort of stunt professionals who run this very, very um, elite agency um, and there's a huge requirement uh, kind of procedure to get on uh, which um, isn't necessarily a school, you are meant to sort of like, you know, do what I'm doing at the moment so you pick up there and you sort of work on your fighting skills and you work on your skills on set uh, and in front of the screen and while um working towards these requirements which they set um which are basically six disciplines uh, which you need to be at a certain level to have done so um, it's little things one of them's got to be a fighting discipline uh so it's either uh, a particular grading or a uh, or a level of competition that you've reached um and then they've got things like um scuba diving so you've got to be a a paddy um the equivalent of a rock climbing instructor and then you've got to do um a horse riding test a gymnastics test trampolining tests um swimming tests all these sort of uh very kind of um specialist skills which they they assess and then once you've reached that level they then say okay yeah, you're now part of our part of our uh our sort of very very unique register of professionals so um especially if you're if you're if you're british that's that's your uh that's the holy grail of the industry to get to that level. That's
2: really interesting, that list, <laughs> a, a checkbox of things that you need to be able to do because it probably represents quite a lot of the conversations that we've had in the last couple of years on this podcast in terms of people from those disciplines mm-hmm. <laughs> who are able to do those things um, kind of as their speciality but combining those things all together into one person who's proficient at all of these things is a very yeah. different uh a, a very different kettle of fish and a very different skill set to be able to do all
1: those things oh absolutely so my my biggest challenge has has been exactly that it's it's been combining the the training um because because yeah like like it, it is a very high level you've got to get to um uh, and especially with uh the more kind of fitness-based ones. So like the rock climbing and the gymnastics and the trampolining and the swimming. Um, that though those aren't just your proficient, those are kind of like you've almost got to be a specialist in that field. Mm. So it t- to combine all of them, especially if you're starting from scratch, is, is a very, very difficult thing. Um, and I actually reached a point last year where I completely burnt out. Um because I was training for the swimming test, which is the the difficulty on that one is there's a lot of tests you've got to do uh, and they fit it within an hour, so it's more the conditioning you need to do to do them in a short space of time. what
2: is the swimming test do you, do you know offhand what the so is i know, swimming test I, know
1: is? I know the majority of 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 the requirements um so um they start you off with um a um 400 meter swim uh, which you've got to do in or it's 10 lengths which you've got to do in in uh 10 minutes um and then they give you a variety of timed swims so uh it's front crawl breaststroke backstroke and um and butterfly and I'm not quite aware of the times but I know I know the I know they're based over a 100 meter um sprint sort of sort of, a, sort of a sort of a sort of a sort of pace um and then you've got to do a 25 meter underwater swim you come up for uh, for no more than 30 seconds and then you do 25 meters under underwater again um and then there's treading water and then a bunch of the life saving drills and some of the underwater obstacle sort of stuff um, and then you repeat the Um, time swim for the front crawl again uh, while you're fully clothed Um, and then you've got to do treading water fully clothed again so uh, I'm not fully aware on the times that you need to do because I know they change all the time but um, that's more or less the structure you've got to go through Um, and to fit that all within an hour means because I I know when I was testing for it when I was training for it before like, like last year I got to the stage where I could more or less do the the requirement the, the required testing but put it into back-to-back over one hour absolutely not uh, yeah. and uh, so that, that is definitely the challenge with that one it's 100% your conditioning and your recovery time which uh, and it, everyone I've spoken to has done that test and said oh yeah literally it's projectile vomit straight away afterwards basically
2: yeah the, the so, reason um, I spe- specifically asked on the swim is just obviously that I used to swim um in my youth um mm. And even within swimming as a swimmer, being able to do all of the strokes proficiently, including the butterfly, would be seen as quite unusual because people would specialize in a particular event. So it's that all roundedness. I can see how that might sometimes be sometimes be a kind of a limiting factor yeah across uh, yeah. across a lot of that a lot, a lot across the board yes yeah. yeah. so, so where,
1: where where I really burnt out was um I was training gymnastics and boxing at the same time, so um boxing was something I had a fight which was in December, and stupidly, I was aiming to do my gymnastics test around December as well. so uh just the two combinations uh just absolutely destroyed me basically. And, um, and yeah, it, it was something where it got to pretty much after I did the boxing fight, which was kind of beginning of December, I literally hit a point where I just literally almost crumpled and, uh, had to take pretty much all of December, all of the rest of December off training. And I started again, sort of back sort of, um, beginning of January, but, um, yeah, it's definitely the combination of things, which is the hardest, hardest thing to do, um, but then that that relates back to the job, um, uh, and it relates back to a lot of the training I do now. Is uh, the job job is very very different. Um, so you know you, you can be working at different hours of the day, doing different things. Um, you know, and a lot of it that I do at the moment is sort of fight based, and you know some of the, like reactions and the hard falls is what I do at the moment. But no one is ever the same, and. Um, really as as a stunt performer and with a lot of actors as well you you are what's known as kind of like an expendable asset to the bigger picture that is the film so if you can't do it they'll just simply get somebody else in um, so it's the case of you've got to show up with limited preparation um, and this could be uh, a freezing cold uh, forest in the middle of the evening at like two 2am p- 2 or it could be a lovely sunny day you know, on a Wednesday afternoon, and you've got to do that—that—that that, that action, regardless of the, of of what the what the conditions are, really. So, I, I suppose what the what the training for the register is doing is it's pretty much making you an athlete that's pretty much um, capable of anything and prepared for anything. Yeah. How do you
0: fit all that in? Do you have a job outside of that? Oh, and yeah.
1: then I have a, I have um, I have a a, a part time job which is very much a, a kind of like a flexi hour job, uh, which I do at the moment. Um, but a lot of what I do at the moment is is independent stunt work and specialising in weapons and firearms and um and fight scenes. So I'm kind of working as I go, um, which which does make it quite tough sometimes to fit the training in alongside the work. Um, because especially with days on set, sometimes you're looking at a 14 hour day. Um, and sometimes they can give you limited, um, sort of time to prepare. So it can literally be, you get a call and they say, right, we need you tomorrow morning. And again, cause you've got to pay bills and I've also got to pay for the training as well. I can't turn it down. So, um, what I find myself doing is, um, actually training a lot in the evening, um, because, a lot of the times film film filming will be pretty much the entire day. Um, so when I get in, you know, I get in at maybe like ten PM, I'll eat some food and I'll be like, right, 11, 8, 11 PM, I'm out in the garden doing my training there. And um some of the things I can't do, but I've got things like a gymnastics mat outside and I've got, you know, various little bits I can do. So I try and do as much as I can um but yeah it's one of those it's it's the tough balance between um working and earning a living and then also training for this higher higher sort of a
0: level how do you down regulate if you're training at 11 o'clock at night and then trying to get to sleep and get your rest and recovery
1: so It is difficult sometimes. Um, what, what I tend to do is I tend to just be a little bit sort of clever with, uh, my time otherwise. So, um, it is a case of if I'm not working and not training, um, very boring lifestyle actually, really. Um, so I, I do catch up on sleep whenever I can. And I make sure that when I've got a down day, it literally is that. So it's making sure that I almost over exaggerate with the hydration exaggerate with with the food that's when I sort of catch up I mean at the moment this isn't ideal um because I know that you know I do I do kind of burn it at both ends a little bit at the moment but I know this won't be forever once I get these all ticked off and I can get on this to this higher level which I'm striving for that doesn't mean I'm going to stop, but it does mean that I can then focus 100% on work and then training for fun rather than necessity. And then I can get the balance of it a bit more kind of you know, um, manageable for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I've, I, having the career in the fitness industry I have, I, I, I you know, know the importance of sleep and nutrition and, and hydration. So um, any opportunity I do get, I do top up on all those things as much as I possibly can.
2: So, in terms, of, in terms of training for, like we said, that kind of very broad um, sort of skill set that you need to have to 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 achieve what you're looking to achieve. What, what does your training look like in a given week? Like, how, how do you structure things to be able to be proficient in all of those things as you're working towards it?
1: Yeah. So, um, so what what I've had to do is is I, I very stupidly. Um, tried to do all these disciplines or most of these disciplines at once which as I said led to me eventually burning out at the end of last year so I focus on um, one at a time really so um, at the moment it's gymnastics and swimming which I'm particularly focusing on when I can actually get to those gyms um, because they kind of somewhat because there's the conditioning level there but then there's also the mobility and the flexibility and you know that it limits the risk of, of crossing over too much so um i do a lot of that um and obviously i do um, a lot of the boxing as well and my background generally is strength events so i've always um sort of lifted heavy and i've always sort of wanted to do that sort of stuff as well so that's kind of my little blowout. So maybe like two, three weeks, two, three days a week, I'll do like a heavy lifting session. Um, But I've learned to do the lifting more focused on what I'm actually going to be doing. If I ever get into that sort of scene on, on, on TV Mm. film set. So um, I'm trying to specify the more kind of weights related stuff to what I'd be expected to do on set. So there's not a great deal of need for like a bench press or you know like a like a back squat but there is need for things like when i lift at the stones and i lift things which are slightly less kind of like stable um because um my fight style is very kind of like you know straight ahead sort of like thug brutish sort of thing whenever i'm on to these film sets so it's lifting people up throwing them around throwing them over a shoulder you know heavy throws judo throws that sort of thing as well so um i try and complement that with my training by lifting as awkward things as i possibly can which then keeps me sort of like safe when i'm lifting maybe like a 80 kilo body on a on a film set such as lifting fridge freezers which we we're doing last night like i did last night yeah um so that one was uh we were um uh get getting a fridge freezer um removed today so basically we had to get it out of the kitchen this morning and um haven't trained for a couple of days because i've been on on set all week and i went okay i set my atlas stone up i set my um strongman log up and i just went right let's do a little little shoulder medley here so i'll go atlas stone and then i'll go on to the uh, log press and i just saw the fridge sitting there and i thought you know what when are you gonna get a chance to lift the fridge so i thought you know what yeah let's put that into the little circuit and uh and yeah, I mean, I'm 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 through my years of lifting. I'm relatively happy with the fact that I'm not going to do myself any damage. I know I know how to lift properly, you know, and all that sort of thing. So these awkward things, you know, kind of help me a little bit in the sense of yeah, if I do have a have a fight scene where someone's jumping and I've got to catch them over one shoulder, these awkward things I've got to lift up every now and then will help um, condition me for that. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, I suppose it's it's a slightly different topic, but that kind of
2: being able to the the transferability of strength let's say or kind of being able being uh functional within a gym setting being able to lift something that transfers over to your normal life doesn't it like if if you get a new fridge or a new washing machine are you able to actually take that out of your kitchen move it across your garden and into the back of a van or your car to be able to take and dispose of it absolutely if the answer absolutely. to that is yes then you're, you're probably strong enough for your normal life
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely yeah I, I think it's um obviously there, there's a huge place for uh all the big compound lifts when you go into a gym like there's a huge place for that um but yeah it's, it's why I've I've really loved um, because I've got I bought an atlas stone um it was like a just just under 100 kilo atlas stone in lockdown and you know, when I first got it, I could barely lift it, and now it's to the point where you know, quite comfortable with it. Um, but I feel that's like the ultimate um, thing to lift because you haven't got anything to grip onto. There's nothing. There's no handle. There's no nothing you can grip your arms around. So, surely, when it comes to lifting things, if you, if you, yeah, if it comes to a point of functionality, if you're lifting a cupboard or you're lifting a wardrobe or a fridge or a washing machine it's not going to be a nice handle for you to hold on to, or, you know, a, a bar for you to wrap your hand around, you know, you've got to almost like press it into your body and use your body's natural movement to keep it tight to the body and and lift it. So, um, so yeah, that, that's something I've really, really kind of uh, um, slowly, as I've gone away from the fitness industry and more, more into kind of physical performance where you're either having to do something very explosive with somebody else or very explosive, using your own body. I began to sort of think of ways in which you know you can use your body without having the benefit of some of the the, the sort of creature comforts that a gym offers. Yeah. Um, and so it's really been a fascinating kind of like transition from working in a gym to suddenly having to use your body in a different way. Yeah. I mean, we've we've talked a lot about the um, our our love of uh,
2: sandbags. Let's. Focus on, on sandbags and I think that during lockdown 2020 when um the gyms were closed that's when I got my sandbag and it's uh, sort of gradually over over time had sand added to it which is yeah. good a good measure I've no idea how much it weighs at the moment about 70 kilos give or take but it's it doesn't really matter um mm. kind of the, the actual figure it's it's heavy enough to be hard um yeah. and Myself and Paul were just talking about um the CrossFit Open, which is just started oh, yes. this weekend. Um and I have had my annual um <laughs> re um reintroduction to a barbell um with the mm-hmm. with the 30 cleans. Um first time I've touched a barbell since the last open, I think. <laughs> is that true? Maybe that's not true. Um
1: uh, there's a there's a rude awakening back into it. If it was with 30 cleans, that's it.
2: A... Yeah, there's a there's a in in my mind it's like can I still clean this what mm. 61 kilo bar? I, mm. I should be able to lift it because my sandbag's heavier than that. And like and they're like boom poof. Oh, actually, yeah, I can. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's at the end of a pretty hard workout and your grips your grips ruined. Um, but it's quite nice that you've still got the ability to lift those things that are designed designed to be lifted because nice. you're training and working with yeah. things that aren't designed to be lifted. The irony is they are designed to be lifted (laughs) because that's what they're there for. They're just designed to be lifted in a different way using a different technique and a different way of using your body to get that off the ground. And I'm I'm quite interested in that idea of that transfer between doing this still allows you to do that. Does it work the other way? The the idea of being strong from dumbbells and barbells and really specific things does that allow you to carry that strength into things that aren't designed to be lifted like fridges and washing machines and atlas stones
1: yeah absolutely i mean uh, i um i remember being really really humbled um when i was working on a um a big stunt job uh last year we um we uh started the previs, which basically is where you make all of the action sequences in this core team and then you send it off to the director of the film and they give it the the yes or the no whether they like it um so you're kind of like the action designing before the film actually even sort of takes place so we were doing this and 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 the amount of people um we had there was was absolutely incredible we had um uh, a few guys from 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 britain who just an incredible set of performers. Um, And then we had some guys from France and Germany. Um, And we had a parkour expert there. And um, he was eventually the lead actor's uh, stunt double. So we had a lot of fight scenes with him and a lot of design stuff around the action sequences with him. Uh, But because he was a parkour expert, um, he was used for a lot of the um, chase scenes as well. And... Some of the things this guy could do um, was just absolutely incredible. Um, there's, a, there's a bit where um, uh, in the film he, he needs to sort of like evade a bunch of police officers using um, scaffolding. So he's, um, you know, doing things like he's he's uh, running up to a bit of scaffolding and then he jumps onto it, muscles himself up onto the top of it, um, kind of kips himself up onto it so he's standing on the bar and then he jumps onto another one grabs that, swings onto another one, grabs that, and kind of just climbs his way up this scaffolding. And when we were sort of mapping this all out, um we we all just kind of had a go because we were like, let let let's see how how tough this actually is. And you know, there was me, I mean, I've been in gyms my my pretty much since I was 15, um, training for the gymnastics test. Um, obviously deem myself as 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 a strong guy and and I'm I'm not just in the sense of lifting weights, but, you know, doing pull-ups and all that sort of thing and being able to do muscle-ups and that sort of stuff. Uh, And there was a lot of other sort of very fit guys there as well. And we were so humbled by the fact that, you know, these thick scaffolding bars um, in the cold, um, suddenly, like, we were struggling to even do a pull-up because we couldn't get our hands around the whole bar. And because it was cold and... You know, um, it, it's not in a comfortable setting where you can sort of stand, reach up, get the bars and start pulling yourself up. It was actually you had to jump and catch this big thick bar, swing yourself on and you all could do a muscle up by that point into an actual tactical setting outside on a thick bar of scaffolding. There, there was not a single guy that could do it. But this guy, Felix's name was, literally did it with, with without even breaking a sweat. There was, there was literally no effort and he said he he's never set foot in a gym before. He just, when he was, when he was a teenager, he got into parkour and that was his thing. He did it. And it was little things like, you know, we did a hanging competition where we hung on the bars for as long as we possibly could. And he literally, he could, he could probably do hours without even, <laughs> even breaking a sweat. And yeah. it was really humbling. Like, you know, cause, cause he's been out, he, he all of his exercise has been outside. So it's jumping from walls and hanging from, you know, little ledges and that sort of thing. And he generally said he's never had to set foot in a gym before, but just that level of strength that he had was just so far beyond all of us other guys. Um, So I I think in a way, um, um, obviously that's a very specialist thing, like, you know, calisthenics is a very specialist thing and a lot of gym people won't necessarily dabble in that too much. But, you know, it 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 was quite humbling to sort of think that, you know, how different it was! Just how far the the ability level was there. I, I wasn't, obviously wasn't expecting to be anywhere near as good as him, but I was expecting to at least be able to do a half-assed version of what he was doing. But couldn't even couldn't even do that. It was, yeah. it was absolutely insane. Yeah, we um, we spoke to
2: um, Toby Seeger. Um, I can't remember when that was. Maybe a year or so ago. A bit probably more than a year that. ago, or so. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, and we specific because he's worked on um, kind of films with uh, like Ryan Reynolds and things mm-hmm. like that, kind of, I think, Michael Bay films. Um, and obviously, uh, being a ninja warrior, things like that. And yeah. then we specifically asked him in terms of um, kind of, oh, how do you train? And he was like, I train by doing the things I do, by yeah. just doing yeah. parkour. And I was yeah. like, well, yeah. wow, really? You, you don't, like, and it, it's, it was just a bit of an eye opener the fact that you can get strong and be able to do your muscle ups your pull-ups whatever whatever you get over objects and things without a gym and without that setting yeah
0: it's different kinds of strength isn't it yeah 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 and it's explosive body weight movements that he's able to develop over time that was september 21 we spoke to him Mm. it was a long time ago but yeah, he does. He does some rock climbing, but otherwise, that's it. It's all, yeah. as you say, it's on the ground stuff outside. Doing, it. I guess, uh, Sebastian Fiku, Fiku was a famous parkourist that did the stunt with the James Bond film up across the scaffolding.
1: Yeah,
0: and the ironwork. Yeah, no thanks.
1: Yeah, in, in, high like and, and yeah, like going going back into the, the the sort of training environments as well. Like we. Um, we uh just just again just 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 messing around because this was a bunch of sort of action lads all kind of like putting a putting a studio together for six weeks we we did a lot of work and um you know there was also a lot of skill sharing there as well and um there was a kind of a a, a um jiu uh guy there like he did a lot of like the, the sort of a more grappling martial arts small guy you know like not not very heavy at all but then again it's that whole thing of the 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 strength that he had in the discipline that he had it meant um there was there was two of us there who actually um so I'd done a little bit of competing in in strongman stuff and that sort of thing and there was another guy who um was at one point he um he's dabbled in a lot of things but he was like one of the top 10 um under 80 kilo strongmen in in Britain um so we were there um and um yeah this tiny guy you know we're just doing some sort of like some grappling exercises just to warm up before we did our stunts and you know this guy probably no more than 70 kilos you know he gets you down and suddenly you can't move you can't get little guy off you and I remember thinking at the time I was thinking obviously I know martial arts and I know with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and that sort of thing it's an incredibly um awful art which means that you can just tie people in knots but I was thinking, if he's lying on top of me, I know that I can press seventy kilos off me. So how can I not get him off me at least? And uh, it's just incredible how, how, as you say, how the how the strength um, kind of works for different things, and how you can apply it in different ways, and you can render someone that hasn't got that level of strength looking quite humbled. Yeah, it's. it's I don't think it's about not having the strength. It's about being able to understand
2: and apply that strength and it's the yeah. application of it yeah. and I think I often and I'm, I'm not knocking any particular type of training um it's it, it's more just kind of what's important to me but being strong for the sake of being strong I have no interest in personally being strong yeah. and able to apply that in what you need to apply to because it's different to different people. Like for for me, kind of making sure I can lift my kids up or move the washing machine and that sort of thing and being able to apply that and being strong enough to be able to do that is important to me. But I think it is that application of strength and being able to to – I'm going to say dead of a bench press, You know, kind of have a one rep uh, sort of max, which is a ridiculous number – how does that cross over and how does that apply outside of that very specific setting? Mm. But then again, I suppose that might not be important. The important thing to that no. might be the one rep max, which is fine as well. I don't know. It's just, a, it's an interesting... Uh,
1: yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I, know, I know things like the bench press are um, uh, included in the NFL combine, I think it's called, where you know it, it's, it's, the, it's the base level fitness test that they do for the NFL. And I know... A bench press is included in that as kind of like the the maximum amount of force that you can push but but then again that's also coupled with like a plyometrics jump and sprints and all that sort of thing as well Um, but yeah I'm very much the same you know I've always wanted to be strong but for what for for what I'm doing so when I I played rugby my training was 100% geared around being the best player I could be and now it's obviously geared around one getting to this higher level of of my industry that I want to get to and also being as good a performer as I can be. Um and I learned early on, um, uh there there are some I mean incredible stunt performers um around who can do some just ridiculous things when it comes to aerial stuff, like you know, flips and tricks and and crazy things like that. And I'll be able to but with my gymnastics training, I'll be able to eventually be at that dance, but I know I'm not going to be turning any heads with it. Um, So I need to kind of like tap into what my skill set has me there sort of thing. So, and that would be, you know, the, the harder impacts I'm used to taking playing rugby and some of the lifting things that I've done before, which just gives me a little bit of a difference compared to some of the other guys. So, um yeah, I, I think it's with anything, it, it, it it's finding what what your kind of niche is, and kind of then being like, right, okay. Obviously, I work on my weaknesses, but I also want to highlight my my strengths and make sure that I keep those um, going into what I'm doing. And you mentioned that. Um...
0: When you were in that six-week block and you were sharing it with other stuntmen and guys, that they're very sharing and open. <clears throat> is that generally the case that they are willing to kind of take time and share that, as opposed to kind of hiding things and keeping things to themselves?
1: Yeah, I, I, th- I think it, it, it's it's a very good at like, From what from what experienced in the sort of six years I've been I've been I've been in it, it is, it's a very good. Um, it's, it's a very good industry in the sense of, um, being able, being shared, like skill sharing and, um, collaborating with a skill set. Um, don't get me wrong. It's, it's an incredibly competitive industry. So like everyone's, you know, fighting for the same jobs basically, but the most part, everyone is, is very helpful. Um, and one of the biggest things that, that, um, that you need as a performer is, um, essentially like a like a cv which um your showreel so basically that's videos which are compiled all together of what you can do so that goes off to your casting directors and that goes off to your uh stunt directors and coordinators that basically look at what you can do and go cool yeah we can fit him in here or fit her in there um but a lot of the time you need to shoot those yourself um because when you go on to a film seth you don't really get a great deal of choice in what you're doing Um, Mm. a lot of the time you're doing it in and around what the actor's doing or you're doing it in and around the rest of the action so there's not really sometimes you get very lucky and there's like clear-cut right center of a center stage there's you doing your your fight scene or your you know hit reaction or something Um, but a lot of the time you don't really get that so you need to actually meet up with friends and self-shoot things so um, I, I found people can be yeah very 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 helpful in that. and especially when it comes to um, comes to skill sharing as well. It's I, th- I think it, it, going into this industry, it, it's it's people who are naturally very curious of other people's skill sets and curious of other ways to train and other things to get better at. So I think um, as with anything, when it comes to being physical you need to be sort of like a naturally sort of curious person anyway, when it comes to how other people do things. So, um, you know, whenever I'm on set with people, I always want to know, you know, um, how they get into it, what, what, you know, what, what do they do? And and yeah, if I possibly can, you know, learn a little from them and, and if, if I can teach them a little bit from what I've done, and to the most part it's a very good industry for that um because everyone's just looking to get to the same place um everyone's got their different skill sets um and generally at the level like at now everyone kind of specializes in something uh, so you've got you know a karate champion or you've got boxers or you've got you know someone who um works in historical martial arts you've got loads of loads of different sort of stuff where people have normally reached a level where they're fully confident in that area so they don't necessarily mind pushing their advice onto other people
0: that's fair enough and I guess there also has to be a certain amount of um being able to work with other people because if you're having fight sequences I guess it's like a dance has to be choreographed and you have to be able to learn those movements in step with them and if you're antagonizing each other it's not going to work is it
1: oh absolutely yeah there's going to be um yeah there's definitely um chemistry that's needed um and that sometimes happens straight away and it's lightning in a bottle you you meet with a performer you have a fight scene or an acting scene and you just have the same energy and it just clicks and it's brilliant um, see I, I've got a couple of people like that. There's a there's a fella I work with quite a lot called Miles, and we, we couldn't look any different. So he's he's a giant, he's like six foot six foot five or six foot six, just a huge monster of a guy. And we we perform together all the time and we, we have we have a we have a great great chemistry when we fight. Um but that obviously comes from getting on really well and understanding each other's skill sets and what we can actually do and what we can what we bring to the table um but again with anything there's, a, there's, a, there's an awful lot of trust as well um because especially as as you start getting to the point where you start doing these slightly more um intense like scenes and they start asking for more advanced choreography and longer choreography and then you've got the uh director and the the, the camera operators wanting to get in really close and see everything um, because that's the thing about the about the industry as well like the directors and the camera um they don't necessarily have the training or the knowledge that we do as as fight specialists so they'll be like oh okay let's get really cause we want to get a real good shot of this so let's get really close in here so you'll then go actually well that now means that this move we're doing doesn't work to for that camera angle so we now need to cheat it slightly this way to allow you to be there um so it's having the trust in that performer to make sure that any changes you can do on the fly. And also you do, you do somewhat put your, your life in their hands a little bit. Um, so I, I had a stunt I did a while ago where, um, had to fall down a flight of stairs. Um, and they were possibly the most horrible set of stairs you could possibly imagine. They were really sharp, really, really horrible. They had, you know, there were parts of it were wood where there was like screws sticking out and all that sort of thing. And um, basically the whole thing is this cool cowboy scene where there's that big, big saloon fight. And, uh, I run up these set of steps, double flight of stairs and basically get supposedly shot at the top. And I basically got to fall backwards and just tumble all the way down the stairs again. Um, so the stairs were long enough as well for me to pick up a real head of steam going down. <laughs> and it was pretty gnarly. It did hurt. Stair falls are one of the things which, you know, universally people say there's no, safe way of doing them obviously there's a safe way of doing them to mean you don't injure yourself but it's gonna hurt one way or other um and there was a hell of a lot of trust there because um i didn't even know this at the time um but there was a horrible um uh, uh fire um uh sort of like a um fireplace at the bottom and i kind of was sheepishly looking and i was going oh i, mean, I was just about to do it i was looking down at this fireplace going when I'm going down, the speed I'm going down with, I've got limited control of where I end up. Um, so if my head hits that, there, there, there's a big problem. And um, one of the guys just gave, just just gave me a nod. He didn't he didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to do anything. He just gave me a nod, and he said, "Yeah, don't worry about it." And what happened is, in the middle of the performance, um, I'm going down this set of stairs, and what he's done is, he's you know stayed in character. He's been you know doing it all his actions. But as I'm coming down the stairs, he's positioned himself in front of this fire set, which basically has meant that as I come down, I bump into him and then roll off. And that was something, again, it, it didn't need to be said. It didn't need to be, you know, you know agreed upon. He just gave me a nod and just said, don't worry. And he. Knew so this was a this was like a two minute long scene. And so he knew where he needed to be to make sure I was safe. And that was just an un, un, unwritten thing. Just kind of went, went there, did it. And that kind of goes into the trust it's understanding mm. the danger understanding the concern and going okay yeah I, I got you don't worry
0: so do you wear like a back protector if you're going down the stairs or anything or is it all just
1: so for that one i did skin yeah and bone. Um, yeah so for that one i did so when it comes to padding that there, there is a lot of padding you can you can wear to protect yourself but it, it, it does depend very much on the costume um because a lot of times costume will factor that in so if you have got a particularly big um stunt coming up they'll be like right let's make this um available for you to put your padding on and especially if you're having something where you're into a harness and you're getting pulled away they'll have holes which they can pick you from and you can get your harness on underneath um so yeah they 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 do allow that but there are sometimes because at the end of the day they've got to get the shot and the shot has got to work so if there's a case of you're wearing say like a shirt like I've got on at the moment and I'm wearing a Heavy back protector the camera operators are going to say we can see it and this isn't going to work so you've got to then make the choice do i take this off and just take the hit or do we need to take this higher and and talk about you know do we change the angle do we change the camera position but again that that, that's a that's a that's where you kind of weigh up the, the the variables so if it's a stair fall and i know that i know i need to keep my arms tucked in and my chin tucked and everything like that and it's just going to hurt, then I'm not really going to have too much of an argument for taking the back pad out because they'll just find somebody that will do it without. Um, But if it's a particularly dangerous um scene where I need that extra bit and there's nothing, you know, there's nothing I can do. And realistically, there's not going to be someone they find who's going to do it without then yeah, that, that's when you can sort of pull rank a bit and be like, look, I don't feel safe. We need to move this. And. Do you find you have to do retakes? So that's yes. their fall. You're like, oh, go yes. again. <laughs> so this, this particular stay I did, uh, I had to do one, two, four times. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where you, you, you keep going until, until the directors got, Lee, got the shot. Um, so sometimes it might be that you've not done it very well um sometimes it might just be the camera you know didn't quite catch the angle they wanted sometimes the other action going on didn't quite look the way they wanted it to um so yeah you you do find that you sometimes have to do more well you'll have to at least do two or three of these sort of things um if it's a big stunt and if it's something which is um deemed as very dangerous uh If it's anything to do with fire or vehicles or anything like that, uh you'll get what's called an adjustment, which basically means that every time you do that stunt, you get paid an extra sort of bonus um but that's for the ones which are you know deemed as as very very unpleasant basically yeah, do you do many of the very very unpleasant ones not yet um I'd say the the most unpleasant one I was gearing up for was actually falling into the Thames. Um, mainly because of how dirty the water is. Um so that that's probably the most unpleasant one I've had to look at. Um but yeah so the, the things which um which which are deemed as the the really hardcore stunts are things like um uh, car knockdowns, um anything to do with fire. Um um th- those are the two that I know in particular that I know, I know personally I'd be a little bit worried about. Because yeah, you see these um you know the, these films where these stunt guys are set head to toe on in fire, you know i, I think I think that's uh, I, I know when I was growing up, um I didn't even think that was a thing i, I thought there was some sort of cGI they put on them or you know there, there was some sort of robot in there that's not an actual person on fire, but you know that, that's actually somebody head to toe on fire, um which, which is pretty scary to think about. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it circles back to sort of Paul's early question around:
2: um, is there a stuntman school? Because um, it's all well and good being able to do all the things, being able to horse ride, swim, have the strength, you know, be able to be able to know how to fall down a set of stairs, have those parkour skills, et cetera. Et cetera. But then you've got the technical. Ability and the technique to know how to swing a sword, <laughs> yeah, and not absolutely. kill so, someone with it. And I, I've no, I, I, I looked on um online, and you've got some videos of you know sword fights, and they're, they're not like pretend sword fights, they're really <laughs> swords are swinging, um, yeah, yeah. So, hall, uh,
1: so, yeah, I mean, th- th- those are courses uh, you do almost like um. They're almost like, if you're looking at it, like CPD courses or whatever they're called, okay. where kind of like things which, which, which are in your industry, you then do these little side courses. Um, so th- those are things you need. Um, and those are where I kind of cut my teeth. of of um, um, training um, sort of uh, companies. One's called the British Action Academy and um, one's called a Take Three Action Academy. And the, the, these are... Um, sort of agencies and academies that teach you how to use weapons and then teach you how to take falls and that sort of thing um but really how i've learned all the sword stuff is is very much you know you buy the stuff i I buy swords i buy axes i buy you know um, various weapons and i just practice with them over and over and over again um because like they are very dangerous on set and you need to when you're i i always thought of it as You know, when you're holding a sword or you're holding a weapon, it becomes part of your body. So you need to be as in control of that as you would be with the fingers on your hand, you know. Um, So there simply cannot be anything going wrong when it comes to, especially when you're wielding a sword around, because they're not in a lot of sets. They they, they want as much um, kind of realism as possible. Sometimes you'll get what they call like foam swords. So there'll be like a metal pole in the middle, but it'll be foam. So you can actually strike people with them. Um, but a lot of the time, because, because, um, audiences are getting so, um, advanced in looking at things now, um, they, they don't even like that. So they actually have, you, 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 you're holding a proper metal sword. It's blunted, but still, if you crack someone around the head with it, that's, that's, that's causing some serious damage. Yeah. Um, these are things that you need to do regardless of whether you're training to go onto the stunt register or you're training to, just be a, a, what's called an action performer. So an action performer is someone that can handle weapons and use weapons, but they're not necessarily doing the the, the crazy, um, dangerous stuff with them. Mm. Um, but certainly things like fire, um, that's one of those things where, again, once you get to a certain level, there are certain um, people in the industry that hold kind of like workshop days mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where you know a, a stunt coordinator would never book someone um, to do a fire burn if they've never done it before. It's one of those things, but then again, it's one of those things—is it the chicken or the egg? Like, you know, how do you ever do one if you don't ever get booked on a job to do one? Yeah. Yeah. So you just have kind to of, yeah set yourself on fire at home and film it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, th- I think what what's happening a lot now is is there's a lot of guys who have got a lot of experience in the industry picking out some of the newbies. Um, and going right we're doing a fire burns day we're going to get some footage of it I'm going to tick your name off to say that you've done it so if I get any jobs come through I know who's been through it with me I'll call you guys up and we get the ball rolling from there Um, yeah I would imagine there's a lot of kind of word
0: of mouth you guys he's been he's been on the set before he was really good let's have him again doing this
1: yeah absolutely so so that's kind of why I've managed to get the sort of little bit of success I've got um because obviously like you know the the stunt register is when you're kind of like the the elite level of of performer um but I've actually got quite a lot of work just from starting off doing what I was doing and and just being almost obsessive over my training and my my um skill set and as you said you 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 impress the right people and they say oh he's a really good fighter or he's really good with a sword or he's really good at these reactions We'll actually pull him in on this, and um and yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. Where it's definitely word of mouth. But like I um I got a um uh, it was a job last year where I got um basically submitted for a job um and um got it worked with the coordinator and they said actually you you look like this guy that we want that that needs a double um it's a big job um big TV series you're going to be going in with the core stunt team. And I remember walking in there and there was literally these legends of the industry there that I've you know known of and heard about and seen on socials and that sort of thing. And there was a couple of people that did the very first couple of training courses that I did, but they were teaching it. So I walked into this room and I suddenly went, oh, my God, Like this is literally like the who's who of the, the British stunt world. And I was like, you know, excuse my French, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, and not to say anyone was was rude to me or standoffish to me but there was definitely a sense of when I walked in the room I was the unknown face that nobody knew Um, and they didn't make it awkward but there was definitely a thing of when I walked in everyone was a bit like oh who's that guy like because these guys have obviously worked in the industry together for decades so um, I walked in as this sort of young stunt double for this actor you know um, and really had a point to prove and it took maybe a couple of days for me to kind of Prove the fact that I deserved to be there. Um, and to say, I obviously did a good job and everybody was very, very happy and that sort of thing as well. But but that was certainly one of those sort of baptism of fire sort of thing mm-hmm. happened from a word of mouth. And and I've got to say that that job in particular has, has stood me very, very well because they've said, obviously, these guys are all on this register already. And they say, OK, we know you're training for that. I know you're not quite there yet. But frankly, in a performance setting and a fight setting, you're at our level already. So we're very happy to pull you into a few of the other things that we're doing. And that's been kind of where I've, where I've sort of got a lot of my work from. Um, so I'm very, very grateful for that, for that, that particular sort of contract. I'm
2: doing. Yeah. I can Do imagine, you... sorry, Paul, I'm just, just no. directly on that. I, I can imagine, forget about your, your technical ability, your strength, your, your physicality. And I suppose this applies to all walks of life, but not being a dickhead Kind of, I imagine helps a lot in the word it's, of mouth yes. um, side of things because nobody's going to recommend you for anything, no matter how good you are technically. Yeah, it's going to be very unlikely
1: if you're a pain in the arse to work with. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think the big thing with with that, and I think it goes in all walks of walks of life as well. It's it's that sense of you know if if you're going to do something, and especially if you're learning something. You know, it's having that teachability, which I think is a really big thing. Like, um, it's, it's one of the, I remember it was actually this, um, this, uh, stunt, stunt coordinator who, who said to me, he said, you know, what was really good about you is you, you listened to everything I ever said to you and I could see that you implemented it straight away in the next performance. Um, so that was, and, and he didn't, he honestly said to me, he said, you know, you came in and I could tell you're a bit green, you're a bit kind of new to it all, but over the course of those two days, you literally picked up on every single thing that anyone said to you and you implied it, you applied it straight away, which is all we can ever ask for. And the following week you were rolling and you were on everybody's level. Um I think, yeah, you're right. It's it's hundred percent being being able to 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 get on with people um and also listen to people as well, and actually be like, you know, I may have had all this training, you know, I've been training for five years for this via swords fighting anything like that but you can still be a beginner in any situation you walk into and you need to have that sort of mentality where you go right I don't care how much training I've had on this I will still give someone the time of day to listen to them if they're giving me advice
0: yeah that's I think that goes broadly across everything we should do is is have that open-mindedness and then not come in. I mean Confidence, yes, but not arrogance. Oh, absolutely. Being open to learn.
1: Absolutely. It's it's why, why, I mean, I still haven't necessarily dabbled in this too much, but it's why I love the CrossFit community so much, is because obviously you've got so many athletes that, you know, come into CrossFit at different levels. You know, so you've got some people that are, you know, very good with weightlifting. You've got some people who are good at the calisthenics and the gymnastics side of things. You've got people who are very good at cardio there's always something to learn regarding what you're going into. And obviously you've got to kind of like smush it all together into one beast of a workout, you know, and you know, the ones that actually do very well are the ones that, you know, kind of be able to adapt and be able to go, right. Okay. I don't know much about, I'm very good at weightlifting, but I don't know much about calisthenics. I'm going to listen to this guy for a bit and I'm going to learn off him or I'm going to learn off her. Um, so I'm a, bi- I'm a big I'm a big fan of that, just skill-sharing in general and just being open to other people's ideas on things.
2: Mm. And I, th- I think a lot of the time people – it's so- something you said earlier in terms of talking about um, strengths and weaknesses. Obviously, you need to work on your weaknesses, but actually also f- focus just as much on your strengths so that they don't become weaknesses, if yeah. that makes sense. So and I think yeah. a lot of people kind of sometimes forget to f- – keep focusing on the things that they're actually good at
1: yeah yeah that makes sense yeah absolutely I I think I think it depends on on your skill set as well like you know I I I know I mean being involved in sport and performance for you know pretty much my whole life like there are some people I've come across that are just naturally gifted I unfortunately aren't one of those people (laughs) like uh, I I need to sort of work hard at things and kind of be like right drill things and be like right i i know i know i need to keep this up otherwise i'll lose it but you get some people and you know i i remember coming across some rugby players when i was in my teens that were absolutely incredible like, like there was one guy i remember who was just ridiculously fast and i was at college with him and he he could run a sub 11 um, 100 meters by the age of 17 and he he never trained for anything he he I just couldn't believe it. He go to the gym. He, he didn't actually, I think he played football, but yeah, he was, he was running, you know, 11 second, hundred meters. And eventually the college literally called him and just said, look, we need to start training you up because, you know, you've done no training and you're already at this level. We, we could make you, you know, we, we, we could make you into the next, you know, Olympic star here. Um, but he he just wasn't interested. He he wasn't interested at all. He was very academic, um, and that's where his, his <coughs> side was. But it was just that natural ability where he just he, he was just grease lightning for, you know, for for for, for since since birth really. Um, and there's people like that, and I think some people you know they naturally will have that ability. Um, it's one thing I'll say about you know um with the stunt side of things as well is is you know you have some people who are just naturally gifted at one thing and they don't actually need to, need to focus on that at all and then they can focus on the other stuff. But I suppose the majority of us need to kind of learn everything from scratch.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll just segue a little bit. There are certain things you can't change and that's how you look to, to an extent. I mean, you can grow a beard, grow a hair, but do you find yourself looking at different actors and going, I wonder if they've got any stunts coming up because I <laughs> kind of look a little bit like them.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Um, so, so it's a it's a funny one, really, because um, you you can find yourself doubling an actor uh, while not actually looking anything like him. Um, okay. So, it but it all all depends on little things. So you might look at your face straight in the mirror and be like, I don't see it. But then it might be well actually, from the back angle, you guys look absolutely the same, or from the side, you look absolutely the same. And when it comes to uh, to stunt doubling or doubling any actor, if it's a picture double or whatever, they're not going to see you from the from the front on because it's going to be very clear it's not the actor. Where they're going to see you is going to be from the back and from the. Side. So they've got um, some very very good professionals who it, it's their job to look at people and go, yeah, you know what, the back of his head looks exactly like and Craig's. He's going to be great for this.
0: Mm-hmm. And I guess there's also the way you move. Because people have different
1: gates and carry
0: themselves yeah. in different ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there, there's um, there, there's a lot that goes into it. So yeah, it's how you move. It's, it's it's size, it's posture, it's all that sort of thing as well. So you do have to do uh, what's called an ident when you um, whenever you you do any sort of like audition sort of procedure where basically it's a silly procedure where you walk up and you introduce yourself and then you've got to do you've got to stand like this and then turn to the side and then turn around and then you've got to like you know do some various things which basically show how your how your movement is um so yeah that that's that's a that's a a sort of big part of it um but strangely the the, the work I've done doubling I look at and I kind of go I don't look like that person at all mm. um so the the doubling I've done is I doubled um a guy called George Jacks who's a young young up-and-comer who um who very young and blonde so I had to dye my hair blonde for that one and didn't see that one but the funniest one was probably uh Jamie Dornan who uh was in uh Fifty Shades of Grey um he's the the the, the, the naughty guy in Fifty Shades of Grey I didn't have to do that film uh luckily but um <laughs> I was doubling him and uh and that was that was interesting um but uh but yeah it's 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 kind of a bit of potluck really because um I think once you've solidified yourself as their double you can get work as that person mm. yeah but I think I think as well it's it's got to be the, the likeness has got to be pretty much uncanny and then you've also got to have that chemistry with the actor themselves because um, I think ultimately the actor has the say you know if it gets to the point where you've been worked on a film with an actor and they go yeah he really looks like me and you know what I really get on with him you hire him every time so There's a couple of stunt guys that have done that. Um, I know there's a very famous stunt man who's uh, Chris Hemsworth's stunt man, and basically, I think since 2011, that's pretty much been his gig. Hang on, hang on.
2: Thor doesn't do his own stunts. That's crazy.
1: (laughs) No, um, (laughs) I I think I think I think think, to be fair, I think they do do. He he does a lot more than most. But uh, but no, certainly a lot of the more. He's no Tom Cruise. can't be flipping around the way that, like that his stunt double does. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I would mean, guess yeah, there are.
0: Let's say there are actors that probably like to do lots, and there are actors that like to do none. Because Tom Cruise famously does loads of his own stuff, doesn't he?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, from what from what from that standpoint, there's there's a big thing about um, where, when the actors do do their own stunts. Um, they normally tend to have a big say in production. So Tom Cruise is obviously huge so his production company often fund a lot of his movies you'll find a lot of actors they don't have that luxury of doing their own stunts um, a lot of the time and unless they are the star um, because um, simply it's an insurance policy They, they can't afford to get the actor injured so it's a bit like for, for Tom Cruise when he was doing that scene, jumping from the buildings, he broke his ankle. Broke his ankle. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, okay, that that that's all right, because obviously it's Tom Cruise's production, it's his film, it's 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 him, he is the star. But if this was, let's say, um, a smaller um thing, maybe maybe, maybe like a TV series, for example, and the lead actor breaks their ankle, that that's a disaster because yeah. they have to shut production down. That's you know, that that's hundreds of thousands of pounds wasted. So Mm. they often for even the most mundane of things, they'll go, if we can get away with it, we'll bring a stunt guy in. If he hurts himself, it's okay. We just get another one. (laughs) So yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's it's not like
2: (laughs) treating you as a a, 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 um, kind of a disposable asset, but it makes, it makes perfect sense in the, in the, in the economy of, of, of making a show or a movie. Yeah. Makes perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's. It, I, I think it's. Um, because I, I, I'm definitely more tapped into the old school um, of stunt performers. Like some, some stunt performers are very much like, yeah, I'm going to do that triple cork into a backflip into this. I'm going to be that guy. Whereas me, I'm more okay. case so because I've had my my head kicked in so many times playing rugby. I'm like, I'll, I'll be that guy that gets thrown through the window. I'll be that guy that takes the hit. I know my. I know what I can take. I know my skill set is I'm quite happy to be that guy um, because I, as I say to everybody everyone's like oh especially when I was going down those set of stairs and they were like oh my god that was that. that looked really horrible are you alright? and I'm like yeah yeah fine and it used to be like you know I used to go and do this for free playing rugby you know <laughs> pay for it I'm like yeah it's, it's a no brainer for me definitely yeah it's probably nicer to fall down a set of stairs than have your knees taken up it's yeah. I I I say this to 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 everybody. I, I say that there's nothing there's nothing I can really have done to me in stunts that would surprise me if that makes sense. Because obviously there there's things which I would never would have experienced before. But when it comes to rugby, like yeah, it, it's pretty much especially playing in in you know when I was coming up into the senior ranks of 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 my club, which would have been, 2007. There wasn't the same level of of legislation and rules and that sort of thing so it wasn't as safe as it is now so some of the things you'd have done to you is just obscene so I'm like yeah not much surprises me yeah. anymore. so yesterday morning I was
2: watching um, the um, the rugby league challenge thing St Helens, St. Helens was morning, yeah. in, in the rain in the absolute torrential pouring rain and I was watching it yesterday morning and my, my son came in um he's like oh what's this he, he he watches any sport like it doesn't matter what it is and i think it's the first time he sort of watched that sort of style of rugby <laughs> the rugby league um and he was going ooh like you know the kind of the hits and yeah. you know the the, the yeah. kind of just piling on top of each other um and i was like yeah that's that's what it's like he's like oh i don't want to do that and i was like <laughs> i was like that's fair enough but it did highlight the fact that you can't control those things in that setting. Mm. You know, kind of, you can't control when you're going to get hit or how you're going to get hit, I imagine Absolutely. within stunt work, you can plan that all down in terms of how you're going to fall, where you're going to jump, what, what that bit's going to be. So Absolutely. I think it is quite a good illustration that you've made to take something like that, being able to take the hits when you don't know they're coming.
1: Yeah. It's kind yeah. of easy
2: well, to take the hits when you know exactly when they're coming
1: that that's Maybe. literally hit the nail on the head like you know I, I couldn't put that any better myself like yeah like so some of the hits you take you know falling down a flight of stairs is ultimately going to be a bit more gnarly than taking a rugby hit but i know it's coming and i can brace myself whereas yeah there, there there is nothing there is nothing that prepares you for getting hit without like from a 16 stone bloke when you don't know it's coming that like there's no that there, there in my view there's nothing I'll do in stunts, which is worse than that. Um, because yeah, like you're not ready for it. Your body's completely relaxed. You know, you get whiplash from getting hit and you know, you can fall in any different way. Like I I was playing, um, I was playing a couple of weeks ago and, um, I uh, had a run with the ball, went down, placed the ball back. Ruck happened. Ruck drove over me. So I thought I was safe. So I sat myself up ready to roll out and get away. <laughs> Not knowing there was a counter ruck that had happened and the whole, you know, however many people, three or four were just piled over the top of me. I was sat on my backside and they hit me in the back of the head and I practically folded like. 40's. And I remember being there, like literally with my face down by my knees, going, What just happened? <laughs> like, um, because I didn't even I didn't even see it. Suddenly I just got hit and I thought, what the? <laughs> and I remember yeah. sort of sitting there afterwards going, Wow, like, 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 I've never been the most flexible person. Like, you know, I, I'm not, I, I'm trying to work on it for what I'm doing, but never been the most flexible person. But I can safely say my feet were straight on the floor and my face was literally embedded in the mud. You know, I was doing a proper sort of like pancake, they call it. And I was going, I can't do this, but I've been forced into this by what these guys have shoved me into. <laughs> um. So, yeah, like, like, yeah, definitely rugby has, 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 prepared me um quite, quite a lot for this because i i say even even doing the boxing that i'm doing now i mean obviously you've got somebody that's you know perpetually punching you in the face but again you you're you're completely focused on them mm. to the most part you're 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 knowing what's coming and as they say that like the, the knockouts happen from the punches you don't see whereas in rugby you're taking impacts all over the place so um i always say yeah rugby's been my my best my best sort of asset to prepare me for what I do now. Yeah, I think
2: that example of the boxing is, you, 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 yeah, okay, you know you're going to get hit, and you know who's going to hit you. It's yeah. not as if there's somebody else going to hit you in the back of the head that you don't know about.
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things in rugby. I've you know, I've I've been on the receiving end of really big hits, and it's one of those things where you can sometimes preempt you're going to get hit as well you know you might get a hospital pass we call it where it gets lofted above your head and your ribs are exposed and you kind of almost get what I like to call a little spidey sense where you think okay someone's gonna tickle my ribs here and sometimes someone hasn't read it and they don't hit you and you go oh I'm all right sometimes you're kind of like trying to brace for it as much as you can so some things you can sense hurt, but there are a lot of things in rugby where yeah you simply can't predict what's going to happen
0: i always preferred being in in that context the the defender and the tackler because you knew much more what was likely to happen because you're the person that's going to hit them and you're You're waiting for them not to look so you can they're not ready for it that's always been really nice but um yeah carrying the ball it's much more dynamic you've got two or three people coming at you your legs are going one way your upper body's going another way yeah and after a while it it does hurt a little bit, but you also get attuned to it. You get used to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think. I think again, one of the things where the, the the more you do, the more you actually get used to it. Yeah. Um, like I know because I've taken little little bits of time out here or there from the game, and when you come back, it, it really hurts. Oh, it's horrible. Um, yeah, yeah, and and yeah, it's, it's 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 unlike any sort of like you know. You know Dom's delayed onset of muscle. It's it's unlike anything I've done before or since. That sense of waking up on a Sunday morning or a Monday morning—if it skips a day—you know you you can barely even move. Um, But yeah, it, it has prepared me for for nearing up anything in this in this game. I think.
0: Well, it, it's described as a controlled car crash, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I know. I know they, they they liken some of the impacts in a rugby game to be similar to a to a to a low level car accident, which. Yeah, it is in a
2: yeah, scary multiple times yeah. Yeah. i see ideal for stunt work isn't it <laughs>
1: yeah well I, again it, it depends what sort of stunt work you, you're talking about you know Car obviously crashes. Yeah. obviously well yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but like thing, things things like um like you know all the aerial stuff is not going to help with but yeah if, if it's taking a hit, which which is gonna hurt it's and than anything else yeah Biggest, or what would your dream job be?
0: I was going to ask that. Mm, great
1: thoughts. Well, um, I've got to say, I can't say it, um, <laughs> especially as this is recorded, I can't say it because I'd get absolutely shocked by, uh, by the production. But in two weeks, I'm on my dream job, basically. Um, so Mega. not necessarily doing what, my dream thing but as far as a production goes it's it's literally the dream
2: production okay so what would be the dream thing that you're not doing in two weeks that you can't tell us because it's not spoiling anything
1: so the dream dream i've in in the in the weird sense you said it earlier um is probably a car hit car knockdown is probably my my dream thing mainly because i I know my skill set now, I know what I can do, and I almost want to challenge myself and be like right, I know that's the most gnarly thing that realistically I'm able to do in with my with my skill set. I want to challenge myself, I want to see how good I can make that I want to see how hard I can make that. I want to you know see if if that can be as impactful and as 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 big as possible um but you know like I'd say that's probably the one stunt I'm most looking forward to in a fun. Mm-hmm because it's a strange one because every stunt club I've spoken to has said they hurt like hell. And it's, it's just a horrible, very dangerous stunt to do, but that's one I really want to do. Um, I, I'm, I'm not too fussed about the high wire stuff and the, you know, the, the, that sort of thing, because I, I know my skill set I know I wouldn't be able to sell that to the most highest performance level because I know that's not my, not my forte. I'll be able to do it. Obviously, but I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to be able to do it a heck of a lot better than me. Whereas where I can really test my ability, is going to be, yeah, doing a, doing a big car hit. Um, but other than that it's, it's fight scenes with, with people, you know, um, um, I've always, I've always sort of said, said, you know, um, fight choreography is something I really, really am passionate about as well. I love putting together fights. I love all that sort of thing as well. um, so i'd love to have have a have a lead fight team with with somebody getting killed off by by the rock or something like that that' would be, <laughs> be a, that'd be an ideal scenario yeah. sounds pretty cool
2: that's quite a good aspiration yeah my my greatest achievement is being killed by the rock
1: that's that's a yeah. pretty pretty good thing. i mean we we, we do have a tally um in uh, in the stunt games just how many times you've been killed off um in e <laughs> b film series that sort of thing i mean i'm currently sitting at thirteen. Um, nice. So, uh, so yeah, I, I know that's a that's a conversation people have. Is they kind of go right when they're into like double figures and then triple figures and that sort of thing. Um,
2: so, is that the main icebreaker when you meet people on set? How many times have you been killed?
1: Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I, I don't think it's particularly well known in the industry, but some people do definitely literally keep a tally. Um, and sometimes, for some some stunt guys, it's literally how many times on this particular production have we been, uh, yeah. have been killed off. I hope that.: But now it's 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 it's, cool. uh, it's, 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 a, it's a cool uh, cool sort of statistic to run, basically, is, especially when you're working with with, uh, with lead actors, because um, that's always a, a really good a really good way to kind of get 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 your performance out there. When you're actually working with a lead actor, that's when you're more likely to be featured yeah. in the actual film itself.
0: Favorite lead actor you've worked with? Um or you can't say because you don't want to be too favoritism
1: i've had a i've had a couple um so um i worked with james mcavoy that was really cool um and i didn't realize just how scottish he was um and obviously me coming from coming from my mum's from uh the isle of isla Western Isles of scotland and um we were having a conversation after he's just killed me and uh yeah, he he asked me where I was from and I was like from Ireland. He goes, I know and we were having a conversation literally while the camera was still rolling. <laughs> um which was really cool. Um but I'd probably say my, my favourite is um Jeffrey Dean Morgan who did um who did uh, uh Negan in Walking Dead, if you've seen that. Um I actually got the picture there, actually. Um i keep this. This uh, my my dad got me that when uh, when I got onto the film. Um, so basically I had to arrest him in this scene and, um, he gave me a lot of tips basically. Um, so he was really, really helpful. Um, that was my first ever job on set, um, where I had to arrest him and sort of like take him away. And, um, he, he was really, really supportive and, you know, he just kind of gave me a few little tips and, and that sort of thing. And I probably say he's my favorite because that was my first ever job and, you know, to have a Hollywood, um A-list director, actually take the time to pull me to one side mm. and thought, well, that was really good, you know, keep working on that, keep working on this, keep doing this. Was actually really nice because he didn't need to do that. Um and really you probably shouldn't have done that because they just got so little time, these these uh lead guys when they're on set. It was just a really, really good, good moment. Um but yeah, I probably say that, that that's my favorite just because that's the one which I think has kind of like sticks to sticks to me the most. Yeah. I think things like that are always will stay
2: with you particularly when it's a, a good experience quite early on and mm. maybe it's, it's it's what keeps you going you know yeah. have a bad experience right at the beginning you might think twice about it so
1: yeah yeah oh, absolutely it, it was it was one of those experiences I really probably shouldn't have had that early because there's people that work in the industry their whole lives and they'll never get a scene like I got with him because uh, there's a bit where we have a stare off and we have a bit of dialogue between ourselves and I've got to like shunt him away. And this was literally my first ever job. Um and I look back on it now a little bit cringe because I kind of go, I like having the experience I've got now, I would have been able to make it a lot better than what I did. Because the the director just simply said, you know, just gonna kind of like almost um ad lib it. So almost, you know, just kind of you're gonna arrest him, but what you say is up to you, you know, just kind of uh go go a bit ad lib. Um and I was so nervous and, you know, voice was breaking. And I was like, um, sir, can I, it was, <laughs> it was literally like, I was like, I look back at it now. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I would have made so much more of it now. Now I've got the experience I've got, but, but yeah, that that was definitely a really, really positive experience. And one which kind of really solidified the fact that I want to do this. Um, because yeah, that, that was obviously my first sort of job and, and, you know, I kind of got on set and got treated really well and obviously got that opportunity, you know, and obviously I know, you know, I haven't had an opportunity with that level of interaction with an actor before or since. But, you know, in order one to sort of like really like catch you and be like, yeah, you, you're going to do this for the rest of your career is uh, yeah, that was probably the best possible start I could have got. That's, that's cool. super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a good
2: point to, um, to come to an end there. Um, can, I just, can I just say one thing? i never seen it until you mentioned it but ever since you mentioned it I can't stop seeing Jamie Dornan and picture you without the beard and I, I can totally see the likeness now totally see it now yeah like
1: I uh. can't now unsee that but, yeah. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe uh, maybe they had a bit of sense in it because yeah. i I, I got to say they, they did I, I kind of almost felt like yeah they kind of because I was clean shaven and it was slightly more curlier hair yeah um, I haven't got a picture anymore but yeah there was part of me that kind of went yeah I kind of see it I kind of see it but now there's a really funny story from that as well actually i um i uh um when I was doubling in we actually i actually did some of the press tour doubling for him as well, which is a really strange concept so basically when they're doing their press so when they're doing like their talks on on social media or the t v or anything like that, they need stand ins and doubles for that as well so just to line all the shots up right and all that sort of thing so um basically I'm wearing a replica of Jamie Dornan's actual clothes um and uh I'm kind of going okay yeah so I put these clothes on and then literally they are the most stunning fitted clothes you could possibly imagine I'm kind of going oh, wow this is amazing and um just cheekily sort of said to the uh said to the um said to the uh costume I was like are you gonna need these after uh after this and they said you can't have them and I'm like <laughs> that's fine uh, and they said but she goes but they're they're you know you, you can buy them on i think it was a mr porter or something was the site you could buy it from and he goes yeah but yeah they're from here and i went all oh, right okay so i looked up online i kind of thought hmm, it's probably gonna be a bit of a hit to the bag but that, that jacket was possibly the nicest jacket i've ever seen so i thought yeah I'll, I'll invest i'll have a little look at that thinking it might be a few hundred pounds or something this jacket came in at 15 grand and I remember being like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> because I I genuinely thought, like when when this lady said, "Oh yeah, here's the website," I actually thought, "Oh okay, so you actually so realistically, I could actually get this." And then, yeah, just looking at the cost of that, I was like, "Believe me." And now I know that why they didn't let me take it. <laughs> Brilliant. Where Where can people find you, Ewan? So. Um, I do a lot of my stuff off Instagram so it's just uh, my name Ewan Calloway and um, so that's where I put a lot of my stuff uh, and other than that I've got a few things coming out um, which you'd be able to see me on The Witcher which is out recently out recently uh, there's a nice little facial shot of me looking uh, like I'm just about to get kebabed um, <laughs> and uh, yeah there's a film called uh, Bollywood film called Action Hero is a uh, I think it's it's in, it's in Hindi so it's in in um in there so like all the subtitles but it's actually a really really funny film um, and uh, you'll be able to see me having a good fight with the lead actor on a boat which is pretty cool just cool. underneath the uh, the uh, London Bridge Fantastic very cool
2: Excellent um, thanks for spending your Sunday morning with us Well thank you for having me on it's, uh, it's been uh, been great chat to you guys